0: Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 EdTech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. And welcome back to class. Is everything back to normal? Hardly, but it does seem like the worst is behind us when it comes to the pandemic. This week, we look at some interesting pieces of content posted to eSchoolNews.com, that can help education leaders adjust to the new realities of teaching and learning. Let's get started. First off, I had the pleasure to speak with Amy Sturtz. She's the Executive Director of Technology and Information at Green Bay Area Public School District about their return to school. Their schools have been nominated for this year's 2022 eSchool News Hero Awards, details of which are right up at the top of the homepage at eSchool. Amy reflects upon those first horrible weeks and months and looks to some changes that they made during that time that will likely stick around for the future. The district's nomination was supported by JAR Systems, a sponsor of the Hero Awards. JAR specializes in intelligent charging, security, and management solutions for mobile technology. Here's a snippet. Amy, maybe you could talk a little bit about going through the pandemic, how and we're talking about technology, obviously, but there was also changes in in behavior, right? Maybe were teachers given a little bit more agency than maybe they had had in the past? And is, is that something that you see sticking around like some of the other innovations?
1: Sure. Well, we definitely put many more supports in place, right? Things that we had been preaching like, hey, you should really learn how to use, this resource or that resource such as, I don't know, Google Classroom, all of a sudden there was this, oh yeah, I really need to know how to use Google Classroom. I really need to know how to use this learning management system. So I think that stuff is going to stick around. One of the things I'm not sure too many school districts did, but Green Bay opened up an after-hour support system where parents could call and reach somebody who had an expertise in math somebody who had an expertise in science and in language to assist with not necessarily the technical questions, but the curricular-based questions. We've seen throughout last year, there's been a decrease in use because I think now teachers are back to having that communication with parents and students on a regular basis. But there were many things that came out of the pandemic that we're continuing to do, that we found our students have success in and and enjoy. So overall, I think success throughout, throughout a challenging time.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's hugely important to document stories like Green Bay and try to share their best practices with you. This great education beta test brought on by the pandemic has resulted in discoveries and innovations across education from distance learning and closing the digital divide to addressing the need for diversity, equity and inclusion in schools and and so much more. So I'd like to encourage everyone out there to participate in this year's Hero Awards so your real life challenges and successes can be celebrated and shared with the education community. Contact your technology vendor or partner and ask to be nominated. The deadline for nominations is September 15th. Next up, Remy Del Mar, she's the senior product manager for K-12 Projectors at Epson America, writes about one of the most fast-moving phenomenon in schools today, esports. She writes about some of the particulars to get a program in place if you haven't started already. The article is called Three Simple Things to Start an Esports Program, and it's up in the newsfeed this week at Eschool. Here's a snippet. She breaks down these three simple things. Number one, the technology. She writes, many might think technology would be a barrier when it comes to creating an esports club or league, but it really comes down to just four pieces of tech. Computers, internet, headsets, and an interactive or non-interactive classroom display. A high-end computer isn't necessary. It just needs to be reliable and do basic functions. And that's the same with the internet. Reliability is the most important factor so students don't get disconnected during gameplay. Next, she writes about the arena. People typically think of eSports programs of having some kind of an arena or theater for practicing or events, but it is totally unnecessary. There are many spaces already within a club or school that can be utilized for hosting one of these events. Schools can utilize a media center, for instance. Many higher education institutions, including the esports program at Fresno State, which is one of the top programs in the nation, set up their esports program in a regular classroom and don't see the need for something high end. And finally, last but certainly not least, the people. She writes The people involved in esports are the third spoke in a successful program. A school first needs to find a faculty member, parent volunteer, or coach who is willing to support that program. And just like other sports programs or clubs in a school, once students get wind of it, they will be surprised about how many others want to participate as well. And finally, a recent survey from the American Psychological Association found that 6 in 10 teachers reported student violence or verbal aggression during the pandemic, with nearly half expressing a desire or plan to quit or transfer schools because of it. So, Gene Carula, and he's vice president of integration and sustainability at the Crisis Prevention Institute, wrote a piece about how to stem this scourge. It's called Five Classroom Management Strategies to Try This Year, and it's up in the top stories feed at eschoolnews.com. Here's a snippet He writes To create a teaching environment where educators feel safe, school leaders may want to consider adding evidence-based behavior management strategies to their back-to-school plan. The more preventative maintenance teachers can do through proactive strategies, the less likely they will encounter problem behavior. Number one, understanding students. He writes, getting to know each student individually will enable teachers to better evaluate the nature of the problem behavior when it occurs and respond appropriately. Additionally, Challenging behaviors are much less likely when a teacher and student build a rapport based on trust and understanding. To build this rapport, teachers' nonverbal behavior and paraverbal communication need to reflect their compassion for each student. Number two, practicing patience. An important de-escalation skill is what the Crisis Prevention Institute terms rational detachment the ability to manage one's behavior and attitude and not take the behaviors of others personally. When faced with student misbehavior, instead of thinking something like, I can't take this disrespect anymore, teachers can use positive self-talk as, I've seen this before. This behavior is not about me. What is it about and how can I help? It sounds like something I could probably use with my own kids. And then number three, staying calm. The first step In practicing rational detachment is remaining calm. When teachers encounter disrespectful or challenging behavior, starting with a deep breath will help them relax and remain silent, allowing them to further assess the situation at hand. To get all five of these steps, be sure to go up online. It really is uh, an eye-opening and insightful piece. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest in analysis for what's happening in the edtech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.